0: Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. We have such an awesome guest on the show today. Kira LaForgia is no stranger to the sensitive issues involved in the human side of running a business. There's a lot to learn from hiring, onboarding, training, and managing the performance of over 500 employees for a multi-million dollar business. The good news is Kira learned it all so you don't have to. She founded Paradigm to bridge the gap between corporate HR policies and the modern needs of online entrepreneurs. Paradigm is the go-to people operations consultancy for small business owners who are ready to protect, streamline, and scale their businesses through their most important assets, their people. Her mission in life is to empower women to identify their unique skills and passions and turn them into profitable businesses so they can have the freedom to live their life on their own terms. She believes that being an entrepreneur means making your own model built around your values and your lifestyle.
1: Kira, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Every time I hear my bio, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yes, so queen. You're like, I'm a big deal.
0: Who is she? She's an HR She's an HR guru, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat. This is such a novel. I mean I really truly haven't heard of anyone who does what you do. I'm sure there might be folks out there but when you and I first connected I thought wow this is so brilliant. This is absolutely what small growing businesses need in their ecosystem. It is just so genius that you are serving your community, our community. I you know, I am I am <laughs> essentially your target market. Thank you so much. I just want to thank you so much for serving the community of entrepreneurs, of female entrepreneurs to help us build The best businesses we can possibly build.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah. It's been a fun journey. I think it's all born out of selfishness at the end of the day, um, starting a career in corporate and then being totally screwed and burned and overlooked and, you know, the whole bureaucracy of it and then moving into small business and kind of on the opposite end of things, which is sort of my journey, and then having to deal with all of those things from a different perspective, it's everything I've, I've done my, my like, I guess mantra, but I don't want to say that. Cause that sounds like more important than it is, is that if I'm always doing something that I love, then I won't end up super unhappy. And, and I think coming as a millennial coming from like parents with like multiple divorces and, you know, being overworked and my mom work works in psychiatry. It's just so sad all the time. Like, I think there's just something really selfish about <laughs> the way that I've run my career, but it's just always been so important to like, try to always do something I like all the time. And I don't know how it got me into HR, but I think it's just in general, there's so much impact you can make through people. So you can almost immediately see results. So again, that's where we, that's how we started out.
0: I love that because I think that the concept of self and selfishness is so novel right because i truly believe that if we all individually just focus on ourselves and in, in our own respective healing everyone's got trauma on the trauma spectrum everyone's heart is hard everyone has stuff to work through if we all focus on our individual selves the world will be healed but we're all too busy focusing on other people and other things and i actually think that you being quote unquote selfish is so ironic because you are actually doing the most meaningful selfless work by being selfish and taking care of yourself and making your making sure your cup is full because look at how you're serving other companies and look at how you're serving other folks like former yous and other people like you who have companies you know it's just I actually think that being quote-unquote selfish in your words is actually the most responsible thing to do especially when you are um, leading a company, you know, not to say that everything needs to be about you, but you know what it means to take care of yourself, right? Not being selfish with collateral damage, being selfish as in you are honoring yourself. You're getting to know yourself. You're developing a relationship with yourself and you're treating yourself like you would your best friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the... In therapy, like, which I'm always open to talk about, I feel like there's so much we can learn from about business, about our life. Like you think you have it all figured out and then, you know, your business does something weird and you're like, oh, I have to figure out how to deal with this now. Um, and all the while, like all these personal things are going on. And like, if you aren't truly rooted in yourself and you have other people they are responsible for their livelihoods in your business, when all these things come at you, it's just kind of, you're going to get taken away by the tide. And so I feel like that's really the, the key that we really want to build up our leaders and build up our CEOs and managers to make sure they can stand firmly in what they want for their business, because that's what they're going to build their culture around. So that matter what comes at you, your culture still stands strong and that protects your people. And if your people are protected, your company will always bounce back. Like that's the, That's the point, you know, and I think as small business owners, we forget you don't have to do all this stuff by yourself. Like you get to have support, you get to build it around exactly what you want. And so we've challenged things a little bit in the HR space. I'm sure we have some enemies and some of the bigger name companies out there um, that provide HR, HR certifications, things like that. But we really for small business, we need our people to also be reactive to our operations and how we want the business to run on the day-to-day. And that's something that HR has never had the opportunity to work hand-in-hand with in corporate because they're siloed over on the same level as the CEO. They don't even get to know the people that they're representing. So we've really loved working with small businesses, with open-hearted CEOs that care about the people that work for them. And I truly believe that the most impact you have as a business owner is not the people that are buying from you, but the people that are working for you. And that ripples out so far. I mean, the impact you can make on someone's career is just, I mean, it, it, they'll talk about you for the rest of their life. I get messages from people, not that I like get, I mean, I've had some pretty angry employees, um, but (laughs) The messages I get from people, I don't even remember them. And they're like, you told me this in a review that I would be really good at this. And that's what I went to school for. And I just want to say, thank you. These words that you told me offhand, like impacted me for years. And I'm like, I don't even remember you Ruby, but that's amazing. you know. And that's what we do it for those little things here and there.
0: That's so magical. You mentioned therapy earlier. And I do want to go into that because I found I'm probably like five, maybe six years into my therapy journey. And when I began therapy, the more healing I realized the more healing I did on myself the more healing um, was brought into my business the better my business performed I had more clarity I came from a grounded space. I know my biz- business is different in that it's an eponymous brand I'm the face of the brand but ironically enough it's not about me to your point like it's all about the people it's about you know mm-hmm. my ecosystem internally at headquarters I'm here right now it's also about our community it's about, our customers. And I feel very strongly that my healing journey in therapy is the reason why the brand has done so well. Um, and it has maintained itself over decades. So I want you to speak a little bit to your therapy journey and how it's impacted you,
1: especially your business. Oh my gosh. It's just, it all just weaves back into mental health and like why I think I'm so passionate about giving people space to work that isn't going to harm them. We don't realize as leaders that we take on these responsibilities for people and we could do serious harm to them. There's been times when I've had conversations with my Uh, newer managers. And I'm like, you have a, you're at a crossroads right now. Like you could be a boss that this person talks about in their future as like that helped them change their ways or get into the right, you know, mentality or be more successful in their career working as an employee. Or you can be someone that they talk about that makes them never want to work in this industry again. Like you're literally at that decision point right now. And I think that it's really interesting to see it from a bird's eye view. Of course, it's so hard to see it So close up. And that's why I think therapy has made such an impact. Is I wrote a blog about this like a couple of years ago, but it was like the 10 things I learned in therapy to that made me a better leader. And it's like, I'm not trying to say I'm the best leader out there, but I do think that if I hadn't learned these lessons, I would be much worse. And I one of them that just jumped out. I can't remember them all now. I mean, I probably do, I probably shouldn't say that. I do I remember them all perfectly now, but (laughs) One of them that jumped out was just, (laughs) um, we talk a lot about not believing everything you think. So like that has really helped me to challenge like what a belief really is and how to adapt to other people and what they need within their jobs or within their lives or within a mentor or a leader. Oftentimes, like once you really step into being a manager or being a leader in your company, you're hardly talking about work like a lot of times most of the things that you're doing is supporting your people and their mental health and their well their well-being and keeping them safe and you can't do that from a place of insecurity or stubbornness or believing things that are not fluid and they don't adapt to what people need around you and it also I know this isn't necessarily like a whole this is like a whole other conversation but it also leans into like not building diverse populations within your organization. Because we're always looking for things. We naturally as humans look for things that look and sound and feel like us. But if we believe that we are the center of the universe and everyone else has to adapt to us, then we're not going to invite diverse opinions and things like that into these conversations, into our businesses, which has been proven to make businesses much more successful with different types of perspectives and opinions from different backgrounds and different people and different races. And, you know, as a white woman, I have to take that really seriously. Like we could very easily become a Karen over here. So <laughs> it's really important. And, or or
0: labeled think, as a Karen, even if you aren't a Karen, yeah. like, you know, depending upon how you're approaching challenges in your workspace, you could absolutely get that label slapped on you.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, labels mm-hmm. suck in general, but there is something about the way that therapy makes you look at yourself in a different light. And, understand that everything isn't black and white and there's a gray area in every decision and in every perspective. There's been a lot of times when I've had employees come to me and say, I really didn't like that we have this conversation and you made this comment and to me it was like innocuous and and if anything neutral but that triggered something in them from their experiences and an ego-driven person without therapy for me um would have been like whoa that's not my problem like we're all out here doing our best but a person that's understanding and caring will have that conversation in a different way and try to help try to understand where that came from and try to understand that it takes bravery for your employee to tell you that something's wrong. It takes bravery for you to be able to say that you're wrong and still man- maintain your accountability as a leader and still be able to you know, kind of step into that role and sometimes have tough conversations, but still have that vulnerability. And we, when we're in an unhealthy state, I learned this in therapy too, we w- always want the binary. We always want the black and white, the right answer, the wrong answer you know, that kind of thing. And we saw that a lot during the pandemic and it's, it's really harmful. We have to be able to embrace the gray. And that was, that is so hard for me. Like, I think it's been about five years. I was in therapy for five years. I graduated in September. So, you know, it's right around the time where I need to come back. Um, but (laughs) that's really hard, you know, like being able to be okay in the gray and, But we have to as leaders, we can't predict or understand the way that people are going to behave in our business. And our business can suffer if we don't care for our people and try to understand their perspectives along the way. So how would you
0: advise, and I know that this is generally speaking and everything is probably case by case, especially for your clients, but how would you generally speaking advise for someone to still maintain their hierarchy on the leadership spectrum within a company, but still have that openness so that people who are in, you know, more junior positions feel comfortable going to them can be reciprocal as far as, you know, um, giving, you know, reviews, uh, to them or managing up. How do you do both healthily?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is definitely a skill that takes a long time to learn. Um, we, I had someone ask me once, and this kind of leads into your question, they were like, so do, I'm sure you don't believe that you can be friends with your employees. And I was like, why do, you th- why do you think that? Like as a management consultant, as somebody that teaches a course on managing small teams, like we work with you know, dozens of companies to build out processes. Like, why would you think that? It's like, well, that's what every management guru says. That's what every old white dude that wrote a book says. Like, you can't be friends with your employees. You can't be friends with your employees. And I was like, I have an employee that's worked for me for nine years. If I wasn't friends with her, there'd be something wrong with me. Like that's not, that's not okay. (laughs) You know, like, um, and I think it does take practice, but you, that's why I, I love HR in the traditional sense, because you can use your company policies, your expectations, your written out job descriptions, your metrics, you can use all of that to be the quote unquote bad cop in your business. And you can buy yourself a perspective that is like, my business is telling you what needs to be done. And I am the mouthpiece for my business. That doesn't necessarily mean that the conversation ends at like you're doing a really bad job at this, but it's also like, okay, here's the thing. Here's the, here's what I want you to take away from this conversation. Here's the two points that need to be adjusted or fixed or whatever. And let's talk about how we get there because that's how you build that relationship. It's more about the how versus the actual doing of the thing. The doing of the thing is black and white. It is what it is. You have to do it. If you want to keep your job. If we're going to make money, if we're going to have a business, whatever. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I'll be straightforward about it. I'm confident in it because I understand how everything fits together, especially as a CEO, having your HR policies and all that in place, understanding them and being educated on them is going to really help you to be like, this is the way it is for, you know, being on time to meetings or something super like straightforward like that, or you're not hitting your metrics or I'm not hundred percent sure what you're doing on your work from home days. Can you please outline it for me so I can make sure that we're always adding value, not so I can take it away. So I can make sure that you have things that you can do from a remote space. Like it's just a different perspective than what we've grown up with and what we've been taught. And honestly, I think that other perspective is a little lazy because it takes out the human connection and the actual, am I allowed to swear on here? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, this is an adult-friendly <laughs> show. Do you know I, was all like,
1: that? I was like, can I say I'm an HR? You're like, I should. I probably shouldn't have, uh, you know, thought the HR person would need like a little beep beep button, but um, it takes out the like actual element of like giving a fuck about your people, like actually standing yeah. up and saying like you're not doing a good job. But really, what you know this, you know this. Why though? Like, what's going on? Like, that's a harder conversation, and I think that many of us we're taught we don't care about that. We lean on the black and white. We lean on the policies. We lean on the KPIs. Um, we lean on the checklist and you forget about the rest. And that is not management. That's a project management system. AI can do that now. Like we don't need that. Our, my ClickUp system tells me every morning, all the crap that I didn't do yesterday. So I don't need that from, that's not what managing is. So I think that's, I mean, hopefully that under, helps to like kind of bridge the gap in your, in your question a little bit, but it's so hard. Like every person's different. You have to really get to know them to know how to approach these topics.
0: One question that we love to ask on the show, because I think it gives a full perspective of the folks that we interview is what was little Kira like?
1: You know what, Marin? I knew you were going to ask me this. And I, because I listened to a few of, of your episodes, now I'm a like dedicated listener. But I don't, I actually thought about this right when I got on our call today. And I was like, I should, I knew I should have figured out what to say about this in advance, which I think tells you everything you need to know about what Little Cure was. You know, I'm like eldest daughter, high achiever, so much crazy shit going on in the background with family, parented one of my parents, my mom was in medicine, worked super long hours, divorce, you know, the whole thing. It was just my little brother, he... well, he's 32 now, but it's very, you know, he has two little kids that I love so much and uh, like mean so much to me. And part of that is because it was just me, my mom and my brother, you know, growing up. And I was signing, I memorized my mom debit, my mom's debit card number when I was like eight, like I was like signing his permission slips. And it is, I think probably 10 years. And this is another therapy thing. I'm like, so are we just in therapy now? But 10 years ago, I would have been like saying this proudly. Like I was so productive. And like, now I'm like, how fucking sad. Like, I do not want my eight-year-old kid to be having to feel like they, and this is no shade to my mom because it's amazing what she accomplished as a single parent, but I will not allow my kid to have to deal with any of that stuff. I don't want them to know about checks or, well, not that they will. (laughs) This is modern times. Um, you know, credit card numbers or whatever, signing permission slips, like that's all di- digital anyway. But I think there's just something really that I have tried to shed when it comes to how I grew up and who I was when I was a kid. Cause I was kind of forced to be that like second mom. It's not like I was 10 years older than my brother. Like I hear people talk about these stories where they're like, well, I was the oldest by 10 years. And I was like, oh, I was oldest by three. And it sounds really similar. <laughs> like, So it wasn't, you know, I, when I look back, I always think like, God, I had like the most idyllic childhood, but I think that I took on a lot and it put what I learned in therapy is that it makes me want to create chaos because that's how I thrive. So mm. being, I think that's why I became an entrepreneur. Cause it's just like full chaos all the time, but, um, it's interesting to have to challenge myself and say like, no, like you don't have to live in chaos. Like you can be calm and you can be, you can enjoy the comforts of your life and what you've built. And like, you don't have to look for the next thing that's going to disrupt. You don't have to create a new offer, a new course. Like things are fine. Just ride it out, you know, like have a good time with your husband. Like it doesn't have to be this constant state of like seeking and learning and achieving, you know? So, well, I guess that answer was pretty good. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like I did gymnastics. Like, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it was perfect. And that, another theme that I hear throughout your story, um, especially towards the end. And it's one that comes up often on the show is permission, you know, giving yourself permission to be an entrepreneur, giving yourself permission to reflect on your past, giving yourself permission to recreate, um, you know, to not just be on the hamster wheel and just do a carbon copy of how you were raised. Like you're going to also create your own version of parenting, uh, you know, when it's time for you to be a mom. And uh, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. I think that my, my lesson, because I too am a firstborn type A (laughs) top of my class, validated like all the things, like it's a shame that I'm not applying to other jobs because, you know, my, my resume crushes. Um, Like, why did I work so hard if I was just going to work? Like, I don't need to apply for myself. What what was the point there? But my work, I feel, and I feel like you can probably appreciate this. My work now, my work on myself is just to be and for being to just be enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I like feel that it's definitely something that's a theme. And I don't think we're alone as entrepreneurs. Like I think there's a lot of us out there that, that feel that we can't really just be like, it's always about the doing and not about the being. And it it's funny too. It was one of the first therapy sessions I had. And I got a therapist that was like so different from me. She had like crystals all over her office and she would encourage me to pick up whichever one was calling to me. And of course I have like crystals around, but mostly cause they're cute. Not cause I know what their names are or anything, you know? And I, she's, it was like the second or third lesson or like lesson, (laughs) second or third session where I was like, she just kept saying like, I just want you to focus on the being and not on the doing. And I was like, okay, whatever. I have way too much stuff to do, Bonnie. Like, I don't know. Like I have to be doing, like, I have a big ass like business and all these things going on. Like, I don't know. And, but it's so hot. It's so hard. Like, it's really hard for me to be like in a space to be like, just like do nothing. Just like read a book, just like, don't accomplish anything. Don't have a to-do list today. Like it's, it's so freaking hard. Like there's always something you can be doing or accomplishing. And I mean, I think all the eldest daughters know what's up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Facts. Facts. So what was your first exposure to entrepreneurship?
1: I think it was in 2014. I had, I've been working for this small business for a couple of years and I always knew that I wanted to be a consultant. There was something, I started doing some leadership and management training in my corporate job and it just kind of stuck. And one of the things that I learned about myself was that I really thrive in like short-term, high value, lots of relationship building projects. And then we, you know, kind of just like, Maintain relationships with people because I love people, obviously. But I really like working on a project that is done. So I really like to be able to be able to accomplish something and then have the project be complete. And that's really hard to do in consulting. So it took me a while to figure out exactly, you know, how we were going to get there. But I reached out to. Um, it's it's ironic because he was here in San Diego, but I reached out to a management consultant. His name is Dr. Bob, and he's like that tip. I always like second guess, like my, when I'm always like all these old white guys writing these leadership books, but like Dr. Bob is like this old white guy. That's like super cool. And like very employee centric. And he wrote all these books, like consulting for dummies and all these ways to, to reward your employees. And he's worked, I'm on his website under like Stephen Covey. And like, you know, like he's like mentored all these, like, you know, seven habits of effective people, writers, and you know, all these one, the one minute manager, like all these things, but he, we sat down and he was like, Oh, I'll take you to lunch. He brought me like a stack of his books. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like it just so happened that this like employee engagement, like leadership guru lived five minutes away. And I would sent him an email and he invited me to lunch and he brought me his books and we talked and he was like, well, it sounds like the small business that you're working for is your first consulting job. Just treat every job that you have. Like you are their consultant. and. How would you approach things in a way that would give the business something valuable that can last for a really long time that can outlast you? How can you learn lessons that you can learn in your future consulting business over the course of working for other people? Think of your bosses as your consulting clients and not your bosses. And because there was, you know, like many small business owners, they started a business and They weren't necessarily prepared for the what would happen next, and so there, which is why I still work there one day a week because they need that side of things. Um, But there was definitely it was super instrumental in my career because it taught me to not just look at something the way that it's handed to you, but to look at something in the way that what can you turn this into? And so even though I only started my business actually in 2020 during COVID, I've I'd done some one off consulting up until then, from 2014 until 2020. And I feel like I was an entrepreneur the whole time. I've been paid commission. I've been working for sales. I've been like every back end system in that business was built by me. Every connection, every vendor, like every single thing that we've done for that business was built by me. And my boss will say the same thing. Um, so, I feel like it was easy in a way to translate my mentality over from being a, an employee to an entrepreneur, because I'd already been treating myself that way. Um, but not in such a self-aggrandizing way. Like, I think there was a lot of confidence I had to build because, managing 50 people going through, I, you know, got super burned out. I had a really hard time delegating because I was so controlling for so long. Like I learned some like really serious lessons along the way, which is what helped me to figure out exactly how I wanted to show up and serve employees and serve leaders. But I don't like the irony isn't lost on me that my first mentor from 2014 was an employee engagement specialist and leadership coach, And that is what I do now, (laughs) like even through all those bumps and journeys, like it's always been what I've been passionate about and what I've kind of hung my hat on at the end of the day.
0: So since Dr. Bob, have you engaged with other consultants for your own self and your own business and other coaches?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I owe almost my entire business to my former business coach. Her name's Kelsey. Um, So there's a lot of like weirdo business coaches out there. Like I just want to throw that out there. Kelsey is not one of them. She actually like we were chatting on Instagram and she said something like when I was consulting and she was definitely trying to like get me to be her student or whatever you call it when you have a coach. And I'd never worked with a coach before. The only coach I'd ever heard of was one of my friend's friends who sold Herbalife and then decided she was a codependency coach. And as a person that was in therapy for four years, I was like, that is some bullshit. (laughs) You don't just get to be a codependency coach. Like that is so harmful. So I always just like life coaches, all of that. I was like such a cynic about it. And so when she was approaching me we got to talking and I, I think I said something like, I don't know, but my employees, it's like a lot going on with COVID, blah, blah, blah. And I'd started my business and I, you know, things were slow. I think I'd had like two clients in the first six months or something and but i still worked full-time so i thought this is great like i'm rich you know <laughs> like i've got extra money um and she's like wait you know about employees and i was like do i ever <laughs> like what are you talking about and she was like well i i really need help with that like can i schedule a, a like a discovery call with you. And I was like, this is amazing. Like this coach with like all these followers and like this big influence and whatever, like actually wants to talk to me. That's so cool. And within like three months, she had shown me where my strengths were and shown me what the market needed. And my HR and like people operations package was my like third pack, like my littlest package. I wasn't shooting for any entrepreneur that had a team. I was looking to help women start their companies for the first time. So it was just really interesting to see her like flip that on its head. And then we hit six figures in our first year. And all of that was because she was like, I'll be your experiment and help you figure out your process and your framework and all of these things. And you can join my mastermind and meet all these other women. And so it just was like such a hand in hand thing. And at the same time, you know, it was, it was kind of hard because like I had to give up what I thought I was going to be doing. And then just to have her like kind of recognize that, I think that's where, you know, you find a good coach is that they can recognize in you what you need to do and what you need to hear based on your goals. And we just found this really copacetic relationship. And that was like almost, that was like two and a half years ago now. And like, I never looked back. Like my business has been completely different ever since. And it wasn't that she was like, you need to do this. It was, I mean, I ended up exactly where I wanted to be. Like at the end of the day, like she just knew that she could pull that out of me. And part of it was that Dr. Bob told me to get this experience and I got it. And so that was really where my strengths were. And so leaning into those was, it was, I can't even take credit for, you know, (laughs) like, it's like all these amazing people that have helped like getting mentors, getting coaches, building community, like, my business would be nowhere without that. And now it's so cool because I have these amazing people on my team and they're the people that I lean on and they're the people I trust. They know our clients inside and out. They're the ones that I consider almost like how other entrepreneurs that don't have a team yet. They like, they're kind of my coaches. Now we're looking at things from a different perspective. And I have a team of people that will tell me how it is and help us to develop what's next. And that is the point of having a team. Like we want to be able to look inward and make sure that we can lean on who's there with us. And it's really gratifying for everyone involved. So I think it's fun.
0: I want to talk about your early career and how you transitioned to being both an entrepreneur and still have your toe dipped in the corporate life, because that is such a A brilliant and like mind-blowing story. And our audience definitely needs to learn about it. And know that it's an option. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't even really know where to begin, except for I took Dr. Bob's advice and started acting like an entrepreneur in someone else's business and then became completely indispensable. And it wasn't like I thought I was going to be there forever, but the mission of the company was something that was really close to my heart. And so that kept me around and there's been lots of ups and downs. And I think that as in traditional work, traditional HR, traditional leadership, all that stuff, we think that our career is a certain way. And so we try, I think subconsciously, we try to, as employees, we try to emulate whatever that path is. But the truth is like our parents have been doing the same job for 30 years, 40 years, and then they, you know, go and retire or whatever. We don't really have a path that we can't emulate a path. That's like all these books and stuff are written about because that reality doesn't even exist. Like we can pull little nuggets out of the the things that we're learning that other people older than us that have learned lessons along the way um, have figured out for their careers. But it was really a weird decision to build this business, have it take off so quickly. And then to be like, I, I think there was like a really solid mindset shift when I decided I wasn't working to leave my job. I was, I was building my business to stay at my job. I wanted my processes, my operations, my team, it's all built to be asynchronous. It's all built to be, so I can be present for a whole other company with 50 employees. And for a time it was like, I had to, you know, my company couldn't sustain. I live in California. Like my company can't sustain me and my lifestyle. I'm also very like, you know, picky and bougie. So it's like, we couldn't, that's just not something that was an option. Like for me, like, I know some people have a lot of, Like they'll get investors or they have a partner that could make all the money or whatever while you build your business. But that wasn't an option for us. And so at this point, it was really building out operations and the people strategy for Paradigm so that I could have another job and I could show up for that job and I could show up for my team there. And over the years, you know, I learned some really hard lessons about delegating and maybe that's for another another day. But there was a moment where I realized, oh, I'm not doing what all these other entrepreneurs are doing and I'm not trying to quit my job. Like I'd actually get messages from people like, oh, I, you know, I see a lot of potential, you know, DMs, like cold DMs from coaches or whatever. I see a lot of potential in you. You could totally quit your job. And I'm like, I don't want to, (laughs) like, I don't want to quit my job. I built a business so that I could do all these things that I love. And for me, In my life where I'm at right now, that is working on my career and working on this business that I've worked for, for 10 years and working for the leaders that I've developed for nine years. Some of them, like one of them is 24 and he's one of the managers at the company and he's been there for eight years. Like he literally, like he came in for an interview and I was like, I'm not hiring some 16 year old kid. And my boss basically forced me to because of nepotism. And I was like, you know, he was like a friend (laughs) of the family or whatever. And I was so annoyed about it. And I was like, whatever, kid, just let me know when you get your driver's license. And he like messaged me the next day and he's like, hi, I got my driver's license. Eight years later, he's like running our entire training department. He quit school because he's like, I don't, I found what I wanna do for the rest of my life. Like, I wanna grow with this company. And like, that was, it's really cool and rewarding to see that, to see somebody thrive in, you know, how they want to live and what they want to do. And I think that we all think, oh, you have to go to school, you get a part-time job, you go to school, you get a better job, you get a better job, you get a better job. You know, you just keep like trying to go down the path, but really it's like, I don't know, you can kind of do whatever you want. Like, it's really good for me to get out of my house and go into these facilities to lead and manage people in person. Not only is there just great content there um, for our business, but also it's really good for my mental health. You know, it's good to be around a lot of people. I'm an extrovert, which was kind of weird during the pandemic to try to figure out how to deal with like being alone and be, well, being with my husband. Um, and it made me really appreciate that interaction that you get and the impact that you can make in person. And so, Many people would challenge you and say, well, didn't you start your business so you could leave? And it's like, no, I didn't. And actually when I did try to leave, my boss was like, why would you do that? Like you have built this business from the ground up. We wouldn't be here without you. What do you need in order to make your company successful and still be a part of this, like this company? And it's so funny because like, you know, he's obviously really reliant on me and he would have a really hard time replacing me. I built every system. I don't know that he knows how to run payroll and he would laugh about that, but we don't have to just like, I think there are so many things in our daily life. And so when we're working with our CEOs, there's so many things that we just accept like, oh, this is what it's like to have a business. This is what it's like to have a team. This is what we have to do if we want to, you know, have an e-commerce business, or if we want to have a design business, or if we want to have a. Retail shop, or if we want to have a coffee shop or a co working space or whatever, it's like that's just how it's done. It's like it's not like there's so many ways. If you can get somebody in your business to help you, like us, for example, to help you take a bird's eye view and look down and see the potential of different ways that you can do things that lend itself to what you really want out of your life, then you're probably going to be building a business that. Is not only serving you in a really unique way, but your team as well. Your team will be able to be super innovative and will be happier and they'll stick with you longer because it's different and it's unique and it's new and it's adaptable and flexible. Like we never know what's coming next. We might as well build a business that's ready for it, you know?
0: i <laughs> ancestor. So you mentioned that there was something that shifted and you started treating your old slash current company that you um your the corporate company that you work for as mm-hmm. its own business like you became a consultant for them in your mind between mm-hmm. when that light switched on to you having the conversation with your boss to you getting your first clients with paradigm to actually making the full shift to what it is now because i think you mentioned you go in once a week now um mm-hmm. what was that timeline yourself a certain Our timeline? timeline. Were you like, this is going to happen when it happens? Like what was that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's such a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about it in like a timeline. Let's see. So I think when I met Kelsey, it was in October of 2020. And so my company was still a little baby. It was like maybe a couple months publicly, but like maybe I'd been figuring it out for about six months or so. And then we started working together officially in February of 2021. And then it just, like basically like built up ever since. So it was, you know, from one, you know, one client to two clients to four to five to, you know, now we've served over 60 businesses and my business has been around for three years, but I've been doing this part of my business for two and we've served 60 different companies. So I would say that the moment where I started to feel like I can't, I, w- I want to dive in deeper to so the marketing and sales and PR and the learning and the speaking and all of the things that come with paradigm was probably in October of last year. I think that's when I had the conversation with my boss. And over the year and a half or so till then, it was very much like, oh, well, I need to maybe cut back, just come in you know, two days a week and the rest from home and you know stuff. And he was very open to it as long as everything got done. But I would say that when it was in October where I was, I was just really overwhelmed and I, it wasn't because I was overworked because we now had this pretty amazing team. We'd had some bumps along the way and training a bunch of people to do a lot of the day-to-day that I was doing before, but it was, I was overwhelmed and it was because I wanted to be doing other things that I haven't gotten to do yet. Like I wanted to learn how to do. Like we have a template shop, for example. Like I wanted to learn the ins and outs of Shopify. I wanted to learn how the ads work. Like I wanted to connect with community. I wanted to speak on stages, like little things like that. And I wanted to start my podcast. And at the place where I was at, there is only so much time if you have a bit full-fledged business and you're running two other companies, because um, that business is two physical companies. Um There's only so much time that gets to go to learning. And I think for me at that point, it was like, now I'm in maintenance mode. And maybe it was that like, you know, eldest daughter chaos seeker. But I was like, I want to learn other stuff. Like I want to keep learning, you know? And so when I talked to him about it, he was like, well, you can, he basically was like, no, you can't quit. Like you can't, like, I will not let you, you have a stake in this company. Like this is, it's important that you're here. And also, like, how can I help to make sure that your team is as functional as possible? And then how much do you think you can do? He is very much like, I want to meet with you once a week in person because we are working on new locations and things like that. And so instead of the day to day, he wants me fully focused on business development. And so I just I I guess I didn't believe him before, like when he would say, like, whatever we need to do to get you, like, to pursue this passion and whatever. But at that point, I was like, well, I can come in once a week and we can meet and I can see how the directors and managers are doing and deal with high level HR stuff that they haven't been trained to do. And he was like, yeah, whatever you want. And I did not expect it. And so I think to your point earlier about permission, I never gave myself permission because I also am thinking, what is my boss going to say? What is my boss going to say? And I think it was actually a conversation with my mom that happened and she was like, Well, I mean, it sounds like there's just an expiration on your time at that company anyway. And it was like a weird feeling that I hadn't had before. Like I'm trying to learn to like listen to my body and stuff. I'm not sure if you've worked on that in therapy too, but like how your body reacts to decisions. And in the past, when I thought about leaving this company, it made me feel like devastation. Like I couldn't imagine like not building our next location or not that I wrote the business plan for five years ago, like before COVID. And I was like, I have to see this through, you know? And it was during this conversation where she was like, I think you should just, you know, your paradigm's making enough money. Like it might be kind of scary, but like, cause you can't rely on this big salary anymore, but I think it's time for you to like go. And I actually felt relief. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm giving giving, getting permission to leave, And then to go in the next day after all these months of like kind of not knowing what I should do next or, you know, kind of sticking my heels in the sand about like, I can do both. I can do both. I can do both, you know? And I went in and talked to him and I was just like blown away by the permission that he had given me to like actually pursue what I really want to do and to like be so valued that to be able to be like, he was like, you don't even have to take a pay cut. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) like that, you know, it was like, but it just showed like you make a huge difference here. And like, you've been, I've been through a lot with them and with the company, the owners got divorced. There was a lot of trauma that happened with that. And, um, like my phone calls were being recorded and all kinds of weird stuff that was going on with the former, um, co-owner. And I, I think I might've told you this offline, but I had gotten, burnout so badly that I was diagnosed with PTSD, which I was like, that's insane. Like people in wars get this and I'm getting it from working at this small business. So weirdly, like it just kind of turned a mirror on me, like this timeline of like figuring out where, what was next for my career and my path was like, well, what would you tell your clients to do if they were in this situation? And that's what happened in October And then I was just like, not only hearing it from my mom to be like, you know, it's okay. You'll figure it out. You always have to also hearing it from my boss to be like, well, you're so valuable. Whatever you can offer, we'll take. It was like so humbling. And so like just challenging, like what we've all been taught is like how things go. And let me tell you that company was nothing like this 10 years ago. And so to see my boss even grow into this position where he's like, so kind and like understands the value of a person, like not saying, oh, I'm so valuable, but you know, like have we all, don't we all have a story where they're like, why doesn't my boss just understand how valuable I am? Like, why can't they see like what I'm doing? I want to quit this job just so they can be screwed over. (laughs) You know, like we've all had those thoughts like along our careers at some point. And so to actually have it be, you always want someone to like choose you and like show you like you are valuable. So to have that moment, it was really impactful. And if anything. It just goes to show you like he showed up as a really good leader, a generous kind, but also like, I don't know what would happen to that company without me truly. And he doesn't either. And he doesn't want to find out. So like a good money investment, you know, keeping me around. But I think there was a moment of like, you don't always have to show up in like this big, like my way or the highway way to be a good leader. Like, I don't know if I'll ever leave that company now. Like I've never felt so committed to a company because of the way that I was led And supported and chosen and valued. And that's what I want for my team. I want them to feel valued over everything else. And I think that's why I hired my first employee in September of 2021, big decision, scary as hell, but she's been with me ever since. And it's the greatest investment and she has absolutely no plans to leave. And I just keep asking her, like, what do we want? What are you interested in? Like, how do you want to keep growing? Like, and she, we have other employees as well that are part-time, but I know that she's so dedicated to the company and I just want to make sure that I deserve having her on my team. And that's a different mentality than most business owners have. And we could all, you know, we could all use a little bit of adjustment there, I think.
0: Amen, sister. I like to think in the early years, I just needed bodies. I just needed bodies to help. Like I I just think that I went off of not hiring on position, but hiring on, is this person capable? Are they a good person? Can I trust them? Great. Here's a bunch of tasks, right? And I think that's often the case, especially, I think, you know, for a startup, especially someone, you know, in fashion where there's a lot of minutiae. Um, we do we do a mostly wholesale business. So you can imagine that there's just like a lot of, there's a lot of day-to-day projects that need someone to monitor them Mm -hmm. and my first assistant is now our marketing director and it was such an intention of mine to get to know the people in my company and figure out what makes them tick and push them towards whatever that position would be now I'm able to have more clarity in the business and go okay well we need you know someone to come in and fill this particular role but above all of the qualifications, it is, are you a good person? Are you flexible? Will you get along with us? Like it's a very kumbaya environment Mm -hmm. with all of my employees and I, and I do value what you said about really getting to know your employees and learning about what they want to do more of and what they're passionate about. It's changed my business to get to know those things. They would have left me if it, were
1: the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for you, I wonder, like, have you had a moment like that, where you've been sort of challenged in your management or leadership and had to like, check yourself a little bit and be like over, cause I'm sure when you first start, you know, like you said, you just needed people to help you get tasks done, but now you're building like a full on leadership team with directors and you know, I know you have a lot of different people reporting to you. Like, what, have you ever had like an oh shit moment where you're like, oh my God, am I not doing this right? Like, (laughs) am I like doing something weird to this team member? Am I like not sure how to connect with them? Like, am I missing the mark? Like, have you ever had one of those moments?
0: I'm um, definitely a more active than passive leader and I make changes fast. Um, so if something's not working, I don't think about it too much. I don't let it sit. I don't let it absorb into my body. You mentioned earlier about, you know, mm-hmm. having your body give you clues to what's happening. I'm really in tune with my body now, thanks to all the different types of therapy that I've, you know, engaged in, um, over the last five years, um, so I don't really let things sit too long for them to fester. My background yeah. as a professional was in, you know, the with, in the fabulous, but also the passive fashion fashion environment. And I knew that in building my own fashion company or in building my own company and ecosystem within the fashion realm, I did not want to create that passive environment. I wanted it to be kind but direct. And I tell everyone, everyone that joined the company like, my gift to you is a gift of communication. I will not say something to you in person and say something behind your back. Like, it might be a little bit like, you know, unbelievable how direct I'm being, but (laughs) I know the alternative to that and it is soul sucking. It is awful. Um, So know that this is, you know, a very transparent and honest environment. So I mean, I make mistakes every day. We all do. We're all human, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't let them fester for too long. And we really get on top of things. And I I think my team knows Um, if they didn't know, I'd be a little surprised, but I think that they know that they can always come to me. um, And I touch base with them all the time too.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, it sounds like you're doing a great job because there's a few things in there that I don't often hear CEOs say like about the direct communication or, Um, even just the importance of knowing, having confidence that your team knows they can come to you. Like you can only say it so many times before they truly trust and believe you. And also, like you've created a a company culture, like around the way that you communicate and the industry that you're in. It's well informed about who you may be dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Like I'm sure that your wholesale partners are you know, clients or whatever are all a different type of personality than like our CEOs of creative businesses, you know? So it's like being able to have that experience and like weave that into your culture, like that's an art form. So I just want to commend you for that. Cause you sound like you're so clear on it.
0: Thank you. And, but it all, I give all credit to my therapists and to the work that I've put in, in that part of my life, like truly getting in touch with myself. I used to be a robot I used to just be about performing and, you know, not even hitting known goals, just like constantly reaching and going outside of myself to make decisions or do things that other people thought that I should be doing, um, mm. and going inward and really developing a relationship with my intuition that guides the business. And it might not make sense to anybody else but me, but it has never let me down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at the at the core of being an entrepreneur, it really is just knowing exactly who you are and what kind of company you want to build, because every decision really does. I mean, from our bend, every decision comes back to the culture of working within your company because your whole foundation is built on that. So I know, and it's, it sucks too, because entrepreneurs have never been told that they get to decide what it feels and looks like to be at their company. Like you're, I thought, honestly, when I started writing these like new version of employee handbooks and policies and things like that, I thought that I was going to be writing the same thing over and over. I was like, everybody wants this culture where everyone's like having fun and, you know, like open and honest. And, you know, I just thought it was going to be all of that. Every single, we have this now the questionnaire used to be 10 questions. Now it's like 35 questions for our onboarding process, because there are so many nuances to people's cultures and personalities and leadership styles. Like I really looked at it as like an HR thing. And now it's, and those are just laws, right? But it's like, no, like you get to decide what your policies are based on what you want your culture to be. And like your paid time off policy is going to actually reflect your culture, not the other way around. So it's really interesting because there's so many options within HR. If you just know like what lever to pull and how far to push things and you can have your policies, not only be your bad cop, but they will drive your culture forward. And I think that's, especially as an entrepreneur that has a lot of interest, like you can't, and you, you have an office. A lot of these teams are remote, so they don't even interact with their Mm -hmm. team on a day-to-day basis. Like it is a lot more intentional to build a creative business with a culture that is like reliant on, you know, remote communication. It has every interaction has to be intentional because you don't get that many. And even in person, I'm sure you're like, I don't have the luxury of talking to every single one of my employees every single day. Like that would be so easy, you know, but like, imagine online too. I'm I'm not sure if you also have employees or people that you work with remotely, like those interactions are so intentional. You have to be doing them on purpose. You have to lead those people on purpose in every interaction. And that's so hard to hear when you're like, I've got enough shit to do. (laughs) Like now I have to like really think about my culture when I'm telling this person, they were like late on a deadline. Like that sounds so hard. So I just want to encourage everyone. Like you don't have to do it all by yourself. Like there's, there's resources out there and community. And you know, the best thing is just to make sure that you're leaning into who you are, but, and don't, don't be afraid to challenge what you thought you had to do. Like, don't be afraid to be like, yeah, I'm going to be friends with my team. Like, Like, we're going to have a good time. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to do, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this, but like work from home a couple days a week, like we're going to, we're going to flex those muscles a little bit and see what we can accomplish. And you can always change it. Like, you can always be like, that didn't really work that well. (laughs) Like, let's try something else.
0: Totally. Well, Kira, an hour is definitely not enough time for you and I, I feel like we can have our own show. Oh my gosh. We barely even scratched the surface, but for those who love your story, who love your product, who want to learn more, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So our website is the hyphen paradigm.com. Um, we have, I think I'll send over the blog, the therapy blog, just cause I feel like that's such a topic for us. Um, I think I put like selling sunset gifts in it. So it's not that boring, I promise. Um but <laughs> I'll send that over to you so everyone can find our blog there. And then of course on Instagram, I love it when people say hi and let me know where they where they found us and what they listen to cuz it's kind of weird we like go so deep on some of these recordings and like people just say like, say hi in the DMS. And I like, don't realize that they like know everything about like my inner soul. And I'm like, so, Oh, you <laughs> listened to that episode. I thought we were just talking about graphic design here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I have a podcast. It's called on the up and up and it's all about just running your business legally on the up and up and also growing and changing and developing over time. And so I'll have to have you on there too. Cause we need a part two. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. I would love to, you are a dream. I'll also be in Southern California for a long chunk over the summer. So I'm going to message you so that we can actually have our formal meet cute in person, but you are a dream. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your personality, your energy. Like you're such a beautiful, (laughs) vibrant person. And I just, I know that so many people are going to have, they're going to bring so much value from this conversation home with them. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I got a lot out of this too.
0: (laughs) So much same.
1: Have a beautiful (laughs) night.
0: Thank you, my love. Wow, you guys, that interview was just everything. A huge thank you to Kira for coming on the show. Another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love, just like Kira. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarenCostello.com and Radio on Instagram. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week with another spectacular guest on Marincostello Radio.